Hey everybody, it's Ed. Um, just wanted to give a little uh, heads up. Uh, my uh, recording software had some issues with this week's episode. Um, the recording dropped a few times, and and there's a few, there's a little bit of uh, clipping issues. But other than that, did my best to fix that audio, and uh, I think it's I think it's in good shape. Also, just wanted to do a quick little apology um, for not getting this episode up in time. It is a day late. In case you can't tell by my voice, I am getting over a cold. Um, my voice is just starting to return. And editing while you're sick, not not very fun. But we got a good episode ahead for you, so enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Unaired, the show where we take TV shows canceled with episodes left unaired, review them, and then pitch our ideas how we think they could have continued. I'm Ed, and with me today, very special guest from the Maximum Fun podcast, Go Fact Yourself, it's Jake Keith Van Stratton. It's me. So uh, you uh, picked a show for us to watch this week called Love Monkey. That's right. Um, so an interesting thing about this show is... So it, it aired from January 17th to February 7th on CBS. Then it was canceled. What year was that? 2006. 2006, okay. And then VH1 picked up the rest of the episodes uh-huh. to air them. And if I'm not mistaken, was 2006 when you were on VH1? Oh, I guess it might have been. Uh, yeah, I did, I did a few episodes of uh, Best Week Ever on VH1. Yeah, so this was, I was on its sister show, apparently. I didn't realize we were all in the, the VH1 Viacom family. Yeah, you, uh, you're like a stepbrother to this show, almost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honored. So this show starred uh, Tom Cavanaugh, who is yes. just a wonderful, wonderful actor. Um, also had Judy Greer in it, and I was surprised because on the Wikipedia page, she's not like one of the top listed like she's not even in the uh little sidebar on wikipedia oh really that's the, that's the only reason i watched it yeah i love group judy greer she's great and it also has uh jason Priestley in it sure so the premise of this show was that uh, uh tom cavanaugh is a sort of record producer kind of they explain it as he's a rep for a record label that kind of goes out and sifts through all the people that want to join the record label essentially, and kind of finds the good ones. Yeah, he's an A&R guy. Yep, he's a A&R, which I think was artist and repertoire. Yep. So the show starts off with, like, an idealized version of his life with him, like, comically working out, reading a newspaper and a book at the same time, dunking a basketball. And then it kind of cuts to what his real life is like, which is him just kind of sprawled out on the bed, waking up, sweating like a pig when he's working out. So it's like a very fun little contrast right at the beginning. And of course, Tom Cavanaugh kills it with this over the over the top performance. And then we uh, find out that his girlfriend is named Gabby. She does music. She's in a band. Yes. She's not very good, though. And Tom mentions that a lot throughout the show. And that's like a big, big sticking point. Um. He also would not sign her to his label because he just didn't like her music, so he just asked her out instead. Uh, then we meet 
at the bar that they're at listening to Gabby perform, we meet the kind of whole cast, which I thought this was a kind of a fun way to introduce the cast was just them all just hanging out together. Uh, we meet Brenda, who is Judy Greer. That's his best friend. Uh, Mike, who is married to his sister, Karen, who is very pregnant. Jake, an ex-pro athlete. And Shooter, a man about town. So then uh, we kind of get like a little like internal monologue. The, the internal monologue for this show, it felt a lot like Scrubs. Which I liked, especially because Tom Cavanaugh was amazing on Scrubs. I didn't realize he was on that. For, for, for the first few minutes, I thought it actually was, uh, uh, what's his name, Zach Braff. Like, he did that kind of a similar vibe. They do, which, is, which definitely works because uh, he played uh, Zach Braff's character's brother on Scrubs. Oh, there you go. Exactly. We get Tom flying out to a uh, bar to see this kid Wayne perform. And he realizes, okay, well... This kid's got talent. I want to sign him. So they fly out the family. Uh, They all meet with, uh, I believe it's Goliath Records. And the dad says, hey, what kind of cereal do you you guys eat? Which I was like, what the fuck's going on here? (laughs) And they're just like, well, I eat brand nuts. I eat Lucky Charms. Well, in other words, you like choice. So we're shopping around before we close a deal. And they're like, okay, that's cool. And as the parents are walking out, Wayne, the kid, goes, do either of you know who Sid Vicious's real name is? And Tom says, John Simon Ritchie, but his friends call him Sly. So they kind of have like a bonding moment. They kind of set the seed for what's going to happen later. Uh, There's a scene where they're all playing basketball together, Tom and his friends, to kind of like get this whole bro-y vibe going on. And a woman comes over and recognizes Jake from when he was uh, an athlete. And she goes, oh, you remember me? You signed my bra. He goes, yeah, 34C, a lacy thing, right? She goes, well, 34D now. Everybody, like, bites their knuckles. They're like, oh, my God. Which I, I kind of found that very funny. This show does a good job of kind of throwing in tiny little bits of comedy every once in a while. Uh, then there's a scene where they're all having dinner, discussing what's going to play when the baby's born. Everybody says different thing, Billy Joel, Metallica, and then Gabby suggests her music, and then it gets very silent. And Shooter tells Tom, hey, that woman's so defective, you could return her and get your money back. A fun little quip. Uh, So basically, the rest of the episode is kind of Tom's life starting to fall apart. Uh, He gets fired from the record label because he goes off on a rant saying, we need to be different. We need to... You know, we can't just go after these trends. We can't be like these poppy bands like Hanson or Britney Spears. We need to go for the music. And then his boss says, well, you're fired. Also, I remember I I, uh, discovered Hanson. Yeah, that was one of the moments that didn't ring true because he made his speech was about how uh, these bands that lip sync and like Hanson played all their own instruments and wrote all their own songs. So he he should get fired for that, let alone that the guy, uh, let alone that the guy had signed him. But anyway, go ahead. Exactly. <laughs> Hanson's actually still together. They're making beer. They've got like a Hefe Hanson or something, or, or some. They're, they have some uh, some beer brand that they're doing. They're brewers now. These little kids doesn't seem right. They have a beer called Mm Hops. <laughs> it's one hundred percent true. That is the best name possible for a Hanson beer. It's pretty good. 
in my mind, there's still like this small, like little kid band. So like, I just picture like these little kids, like with their guitars, just pouring hops into a, into a brewery or something. Sure. So, uh, we get to the the baby shower for Karen. Gabby shows up and is pissed because Tom got his sister, the essential Bob Dylan CD for the baby. Yeah, that really dates the show. People are still giving CDs. And the fact that it was Bob Dylan and it's like the essential Bob Dylan. This is like when they kind of threw it all together. And then he goes off about like, oh, wait, should I got it? Should I got the greatest hits? And he gets dumped. And that's when we get the whole thing where she says, you, you hate my music. I don't know why you're still dating me. Like we have nothing in comic in common. And he says, oh, I, I don't hate your music. And then we get the cutaway to him going like, oh, I hate this music. This music's terrible. All that fun stuff. Mike and, or not Mike, Tom and his friends go to a bar and he tries to hit on a woman and he goes off on this whole tangent about how he just went, he ended a five month relationship an hour ago. Oh, you'd like her. And he's just failing miserably. Then we get a uh, a little monologue from Shooter about how uh, men aren't meant to be monogamous and he uses Hugh Grant as an example and calls it Grant's Law because Hugh Grant was married to a beautiful woman. And he ended up getting caught with some trashy prostitute. Yes, uh, what's her name? Something Brown. What was that woman's name? Yeah. Ah, oh, I can't remember what it was. But that also dates the show very much because Hugh Grant is like far removed from that at this point. Divine Brown. Was that the woman's name or the prostitute's name? Both. She's a woman and a prostitute. Well, yes. <laughs> No, he was married to Elizabeth Hurley, who was, you know, gorgeous. Oh, okay, yep. She's she's still gorgeous. That's the point they were making, was that, you know, you could be married to the most beautiful woman in the world, and you still want to, you know, pick up a, a street-walking sex worker. Uh, so, then uh, Tom meets with his old assistant, who still works at that record company, and he kind of gives him some inside information, so he can sneak in and meet with Wayne before... Eli can meet with Wayne. Eli's his old co-worker who's trying to sign Wayne now. And he brings him to all these fun spots through New York to kind of like show him, oh, this is where all this rock history happened. And it ends at CBGB, where they play guitar, they bond over heartbreak. Yeah. Unfortunately, that also dates the show because CBGB isn't there anymore. It's so sad. Yeah. This show, it's weird because 2006 doesn't seem that long ago. But like, Exactly. So much has changed. Nobody's on their nobody's on their cell phones at any point. Like they're, they're, you're going to music shows, and people aren't taking selfies or you know recording the uh, recording the acts. Yeah. There's, no, there's no talk about social media when they're talking about marketing or anything. It was it was a heady time, 2006. Yeah, he still had a home phone. <laughs> yeah, right. He had a landline, and uh, people weren't anxious all the time about uh, the state of the world. Yeah, good times. Very good times. <laughs> So then uh, Tom goes to Brenda's house to kind of rant about how his life sucks. She tells him, well, you only want stuff that works for you. And he goes, oh, yeah, you're kind of right. Then the next morning, his friends are outside his door and they decide they're going to help him form his own label. And he, Tom goes, oh, group hug. And they all kind of scatter off in different directions. Yeah. Then he runs into uh, he goes to Wayne's show where all these record labels are kind of convening before Wayne can make his decision. And he sees a 
rival record label owner named Jeff that Eli is uh, sleeping with his girlfriend. Tom tells him, and basically then Wayne just kind of performs. Tom realizes, you know what? I'm not right for this. This kid needs, this kid needs a real established label. He's, you know, he's actually good. So he goes out and, you know, everybody's kind of shown doing their thing. Everybody goes home. And then we see Jeff. Well, he tells the parents that, though. That was a cool thing. He, he, he tells the parents that they shouldn't sign with him, that he need, he doesn't have what they, he doesn't, uh, I don't have what he needs right now or something, like maybe in a couple of years. So I think that's supposed to be like a, you know, show a show of maturity or character on his part. He saved the cat. Yeah, a good moment of character growth for him. So then we uh, get him going outside. Uh, Brenda, I keep wanting to say Judy because her name's Judy Greer, but... <laughs> Brenda is talking to him, saying, like, oh, you let him go, didn't you? Well, you did good. That was the right thing to do. And we see, like, this montage of all the friends going home, shooters going home with a lady, uh, Mike is at home with Karen, his wife, and then we see Jeff. He opens up a door to a dude, gives him flowers and candy, so they're trying to, like, kind of plant this seed for future episodes. Secret gay. Secret gay. Uh, Then Tom wakes up to his landline ringing. And Jeff says, hey, do you have any free time? Tom just sits there and goes, let me check my book. Stares into nothing and says, yeah, I'm free today. Uh, Then he meets up with Jeff. Jeff says, "Uh, I signed Wayne. And Wayne just keeps talking about you. So I want to hire you to kind of handle Wayne. And he meets Julia, who we previously met at Wayne's show. And she works at that record label. What? And then she gives him the essential Bob Dylan CD because she just got one. And it's supposed to be this whole, oh, my God, they're kindred spirits moment. They're not so different. Yeah, exactly. And as he's leaving, he gets into the elevator and his internal monologue saying, I didn't take the job just for Julia. I didn't even flirt with her once. I'm exempt from Grant's law. And then as he gets in the elevator, Julia pops her hand in to hold the door. And then she gets in with him. And that's how the episode ends. Metaphor. Exactly. It's a lot of foreshadowing. And honestly, I I very much enjoyed this show. I don't know. I, I know it's ratings that kind of led to its demise, but. Yeah. Well, it seemed really, it seemed very expensive because they had a lot of, uh, you know, you have to get original, you got to get a bunch of original songs in it. And then I guess they, and then they play some, you know, classic songs too. And yeah, I don't see this being like, so let me back up. The reason I picked this show, you, you sent me a list of a whole bunch of shows and there are a lot of them that. Like, I, I'm into, like, goofy, terrible television, so there were a lot that I was curious to do, but then a lot of them had already been picked before. But when I saw Love Monkey on it, I was curious to see it, because I remember really liking the show, and I was curious kind of if it held up or how I how I would feel, you know, 12 years later. Uh, and I still really liked it. Uh, and and, and there, there was a lot of stuff I'd forgotten. Like, I forgot that, like, the... the uh, that a friend of mine is in it. Uh, this 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 pal of mine plays the uh, the pregnant wife, and I t- totally forgot Jason Priestley and Lawrence Tate and uh, were in it. Um, and uh, but I remember, you know, I definitely remember Judy Greer because I was a huge fan. I remember just thinking, like, well, the most unrealistic part of the show is that he doesn't uh, become lovers with Judy Greer because she's amazing and perfect for him and all that, and you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, I still really liked it a lot. You know, there were still some things that were kind of outdated, and then you kind of noticed a lot of. You know, it's sort of weird that, like, these guys are always free to, all of his friends are always free to meet with him um, and hang out at his door. And, you know, everybody in New York has an apartment that's a, that, that has a stoop. Um, so, you know, stuff like stuff like that, like, doesn't quite ring true. And 
you know, and, and again, it is a pilot. So there's still, you know, there's some stuff that'll probably get, get figured out, but I really like the characters and I really like the writing and I liked the, you know, I liked the kind of dramedy uh, aspect of it. And at the same time, I was like, Oh, this wouldn't last on network television. Uh, you know, I think maybe if Netflix had been around or, you know, Amazon prime or something at the time, or if they could have done it like VH1, I thought actually was a good home for it. But I think that I, I don't. I think that was just to burn off the episodes they made. I don't think they made new episodes for for VH1. Uh, but yeah, I still I still I still liked it. And you know, even with the flaws of it sort of being a pilot, you figure like, oh yeah, I can see why this got picked up. And there's enough there's enough there. Uh, so it was it was, uh, it was quite enjoyable. If it was even if you know it was sort of outdated, I'd be curious to see sort of a modern. I wonder if it would work as a contemporary version, just because the music industry has changed so much. Even though it's a, even though it's about how the music industry is changing at the time. So much of his, you know, there was not, there was no, there was no, there was nothing about like going viral or getting something on Spotify or, you know, any of the things that we kind of think of, of new ways to break music. Or even like them, like trying to sign some like new YouTube artist or something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like the fact that it was all just sort of based on, you know, people being able to perform live <laughs> is already sadly <laughs> probably pretty outdated. Um, and, you know, sort of the vision of New York is, is very, is kind of whitewashed and, you know. I think there's only like one black character on the show and no other minorities or anything. So, you know, that, that kind of stuff would probably get called out more today. Um, but it was, uh, it was, it was fun. And I, and, and I think I was trying to remember, I, I don't remember if I followed it when it went to VH1 cause I don't even know if I had a DVR at the time. So it's like, I probably had to watch it when it was on. So I don't know if I saw every episode of it uh, at, at the time, but um, it's still pretty entertaining. You know, you could, you could, you could argue that this guy was kind of annoying or that, you know, who cares about this? Who cares about this, this this white kid having romantic problems and whatnot? But I think it's uh, I still think it's fun. It is, and it's it's definitely held together by the actors. I think the writing is very good, yeah. but I think the acting is where this show shines. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's really interesting is like looking back at like television ratings back then because yeah. this show was pulled because its third episode only got 6.3 million viewers, <laughs> which is, is insane now because like that's more than some sitcoms on NBC get like, wow. It's just crazy to see how much has changed just yeah. in the music landscape, television landscape since the show was on. Yeah. I think also in, on TV, I think if it were on today, it would be a half hour instead of an hour show. I feel like it was a lot, it was a lot to, to fill in an hour. And also like, uh, I don't know how many, if any sort of single camera, comedies you know half hour comedies were around back then but now that's much more of a trend so i think i think they would do this more of a you know they would they would do this as a half hour uh single camera thing and maybe maybe emphasize the comedy more or whatnot the the guest stars although i don't know there's still stuff like crazy ex-girlfriend that's on so uh who knows that's true that's in the it's the thing it's in its last season which is a little unfortunate it is uh yeah that was their design i think i read some article that uh she wanted it. She that was exactly how many seasons she she wanted. But maybe people just say that once they get canceled, right? <laughs> it's kind of like the oh, I got rejected by you, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to date you anyways, type thing. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't fire me. I quit. Exactly. Yeah. We're gonna take a quick little break, and we will be right back. Hey, I'm Joe Conley. And I'm Vanessa Frank. We make a show called Spoilers Digest. Where we predict the plots of your favorite movies that we haven't seen. Then we watch the movies and digest it to see what we got right and what we got wrong. So come laugh with us every Wednesday and see how we do. Catch us at SpoilersDigest.com or wherever you get your podcasts. So 
had this show continued, what kind of episodes do you think we would have seen? Well, I'm sure there would, you know, my recollection is that he does start dating or at least start flirting with the, the co-worker, Julia. And then I'm, uh, I'm I'm guessing if they didn't, they definitely would have done more of, you know, will, will they or won't they with uh, with Judy Greer's character. And hopefully they would have because she's awesome. Um, right. And uh, and I think I was I was I was reading through the IMDb because I was trying to remember who some of these actors were. And I saw a lot of um uh, music stars playing themselves. So I'm guessing that's something that they did. And, and if they, that, that's something that I would have guessed as well that they would have done is they would have, you know, brought in people from the Viacom family to make, to make cameos. Um, and, uh, you know, if he's actually in the music business, he'd run into other people who are, you know, who are, uh, famous musicians. Uh, but I also, I also would have hoped that, that, uh, they would have had stuff that was, you know, it, it was, it's a very kind of light show and it would have been interesting without going into sort of a very special episode territory to see how they would have handled uh, more, uh, I don't know, more, more, more legit drama, you know, death in the family or, you know, uh, oh, oh, how about her name's baby? You know, she loses her baby and there's some drama about that or something like that. Uh, I, I think, you know, I think my, my part of my part of the reason I think maybe it also wouldn't work today is that so much of like, there's a lot more, there's a lot more mature subject matter, uh, on, on TV now, like, you know, if you think about even the most popular shows that are these, you know, legal procedurals, like deal with, you know, rape and dismemberment and murder and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm not saying it would have had to, but it would have been interesting. You know, it, I think it would have given the, the show some more gravitas and reality to, to again, if you're assuming you're staying at that long format to, to put a little more drama in the dramedy. Because, uh, you know, it's all it's all it's all very light or to go the other way, you know, to go super sex in the city. Uh, you know, from the male perspective and, you know, have it be about him dating a whole bunch of people and all the weirdos and all that kind of stuff. So I don't have any specific, I don't know any specific plots, but I would have, uh, I, I would have, I would have liked to see it kind of hit the gas on, 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 uh, in, in one direction or another. Yeah, it definitely had that like feel like it had like one foot into the kind of sex in the city type thing and one foot into the, this is us kind of territory. Yeah. I don't know if to necessarily choose, but I felt like I, 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 I'm happy to mix comedy and drama, but I, I felt like it wasn't quite dramatic enough and wasn't quite funny enough. So like I, I would say, you know, sort of step on the gas in on, 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 you know, on both of those fronts and have shows like I, I would I would have liked to see it. Ha- I would like to see this take more chances, I guess. You know, it's it, it's it's not a terribly risky show other than the idea of, you know, you're following kind of one main character for an hour and he doesn't have a lot at stake you know there's there's it, it seems like a lot of these the, whatever crises have to be kind of manufactured it doesn't seem to like be lending itself you know it's not like a show about cops where there's always going to be some natural conflict that's going to happen or about doctors where the stakes are always going to be to save lives you know it's pretty it's pretty low stakes which you know can be can be pleasant it could be a you know it could be a, a but but those tend those shows tend to be more for older people you know you think of a uh, you think of shows like sort of classic CBS shows where it's more, it's more lighthearted drama, you know, on a Saturday night for, for retirees. And, uh, it'd be kind of neat to, to find a way to, I think for, for younger people, you got to find a way to, to, uh, make it a little more, uh, dramatic. Yeah. Raise the stakes. That'd be my, that'd be my network note. Raise the stakes. <laughs> Raise the stakes. Put the characters in more peril. I mean, cause like for, cause he was, cause he was in peril for maybe what, 10 minutes. For about, for about five minutes, he didn't have a girlfriend in a job, and then he does. Exactly. You know, like I would like to see what it's like to really struggle. Uh, you know, and also, and also, I would definitely say change the title. I mean, it's memorable, 
but I didn't like. I think they they tried to force it in the whole like, the whole thing of like, oh, you got to go from a different branch and whatnot. Nah, I wasn't buying any of that. Yeah, no, there was a moment where Judy Greer says like, oh, you're going to be a lonely monkey if you keep swinging from branch to branch or something right. like that. Yeah, I, I felt the lonely monkey was a little forced. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that like a different name would benefit it. Uh, it's memorable. I remember Love Monkey. There's a lot of shows that I used to watch and don't remember the names of, and I remember this one. That's true. It does stick in your head. Um, I do feel like if they had kind of gone the direction of him trying to start his own record label, that would definitely introduce a lot more conflict. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, this was the pilot, so they have a lot of stuff to set up. Like, you know, if we watched episode two as well, uh, you know, maybe we would have maybe would have seen sort of what the day-to-day conflicts were and, and you know, uh, you know, Mad Men was mostly focused around an office and that had plenty of conflict and drama and stuff like that. But um, uh, from what I saw so far, it just wasn't, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot to sort of sink your teeth into other than, well, these are pleasant people in pleasant situations with pleasant music. Right, exactly. And everyone's nice looking. They're nice. They're not. They're all nice to look at. A lot of pretty ladies, and I, I assume that you know Jason Beasley is good looking, and people seem to enjoy this Tom Cavanaugh fellow. So, yeah, I would just say very, very pleasant. I would like it to be a little less pleasant. <laughs> That'd be a strange note to get. Yeah, make it less yeah. good. <laughs> like, less. <laughs> yes, make the characters less likable. Yeah, this is why I'm not a TV. This is the only reason I'm not a television executive. Well, I mean, to be fair, that's how Seinfeld is. Seinfeld and Always Sunny. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah, I could use more. Yeah, I could use that kind of bite. So I feel like there could have been, like you mentioned, like a lot of musical artists playing themselves. Sure. I feel like there could have been a lot of good play with that. Like maybe like a Christmas episode, because this this episode is going to air around Christmas time. So I feel feel like a Christmas episode pitch would be kind of good. So maybe he's competing with uh, Michael Bublé to have Wayne sing at the Rockefeller Plaza Christmas lighting ceremony or something like that. Sure. And then maybe like a snag in it could be like Wayne's like, well, you know, I'm Jewish, right? Sure. And then maybe just at the end, Bublé and him kind of perform together. Because it's Christmas. Exactly. Sure. And, you know, I feel like that would just been like kind of the vibe of the show. Like a lot of musical guests... A lot of kind of dramedy, and and you know there is drama. There is drama to trying to to break a a, a star. I mean, you're you know like look at Entourage. You know they had a whole bunch of stories about trying to get this weirdo to uh, to become famous and do stuff. And you know you get kind of an inside look of Hollywood. It's like you know maybe this is the New York music scene uh, kind of plots that uh, that that would come from. But then of course inevitably because CBS they'd have tie-ins with other shows. So like the King of Queens would show up, and you know. Like, everybody loves Raymond. What are you doing here? <laughs> now, what do you think an episode with uh, King of Queens would look like? Uh, probably a train wreck. Um, there you go. <laughs> I, to, be, to be fair, I've never seen the King of Queens, so I don't know. But I imagine it'd be nice if it'd be nice if they showed up and one person was like, oh, my God, you're a, a, you're a, a big fat guy who's annoying and you've got this incredibly hot wife. What's the, what's the deal with that? But I don't think that would I don't think they would say that. No, they, they probably wouldn't be as on the nose with it. <laughs> No, maybe more, maybe slightly more subtle, but you know that's my style. Exactly, you got to hit him right over the head with uh, Kevin James. Hit him with Hines, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I feel like there also could have been an episode. Uh, so your show, your podcast, is essentially like a trivia game show. It is, and you've mentioned on your show that you enjoy bar trivia. I do. Uh, I I am also a big fan of bar trivia, and these guys hang out at a bar a lot. So I feel like they could have done a bar trivia type episode, and. Maybe like Tom is trying to hit on a girl 
who's very good at bar trivia, and he's trying to impress her. Yeah, then there's like a big music question, and he gets it wrong. Exactly. And he's embarrassed. Who am I? <laughs> he has like an existential crisis. <laughs> and I feel like there could have been like a, a good kind of like back and forth of them all trying to come up with like punny trivia team names. Like, sure. oh, Night of the Triving Dead, Triv, Triv Free or Die Hard, uh, Triven Levita Loca, which coincidentally, Triven Levita Loca was my bar trivia team name. Uh-huh. I, thought, I, thought, I thought you came up with that pretty easily. Yeah, that one. Slip that one in there. <laughs> we used to be the Branch Trividians, and then we were, at one point, we were Trivia Newton John. That's probably what he would do. That's that's a good one, Trivia Newton John. They definitely would have tried to make it, like, trivia music related. Sure. I'm trying to think, of, like, I know The Office did an episode where they were where they played bar trivia, but I don't know if it's really been shown that much in, uh, on television. I don't know if it's been depicted very, so much. Yeah, I vaguely remember that episode. But I feel like, yeah, you're right, there's not a lot of bar trivia in TV. There's a, there's a niche. And then there would be a spinoff. And the spinoff would be an actual bar trivia sh- uh, game show, which I currently have uh, I currently have a, a pitch for. So this, this would be the backdoor pilot for that. So how do you think this show would have ended, provided it, it was given the time to like, give itself a proper ending? Oh, good question. Um, I would like a mass suicide, like led by <laughs> like the... Like the the rocking the rocker kid that he signs becomes a cult leader, and they all uh, drink cyanide together. But probably more likely, um, I, okay, if it had a chance to really do its end, and and they had time, you know, like not just the first season, but like that the, the kid the kid would have made it. That you know he that you show him uh, playing Madison Square Garden or winning a Grammy, or uh, or if the show runs for like a really long time. That that the guy the guy's kid then becomes a thing and they they that he okay here it is his kid inducts him into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There we go. And so the ending is he's in the rock he gets inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, and then but he but he gets inducted by his kid but also by uh, the ghost of Elvis <laughs> or or Bruce Springsteen or something like that like some some big some big some big time person. Is uh, says you know this this guy was an influence on me, and uh, I'm so lucky that I got to make a duet with him. Like okay, Springsteen says, man, my career was dead until I recorded a duet with this guy, something, something <laughs> like that. And then and then the kid makes his speech and says, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for Mr. Love Monkey Agent, um, and uh, it's a shame that he got abducted by those aliens in the previous episode. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, and then Judy Greer, his widow, cries, and um, and then the whole thing is blown up by terrorists. <laughs> so I, I feel like going off of your uh, ghost of Elvis comes in. I feel like at the very end, the ghost of Elvis shows up, yeah. and then Mark Cohn is in the audience, and this is all just a prequel. Now you're speaking my language. It's all just a prequel to <laughs> Mark Cohn. Just wants to get his music career there's all just a prequel to a show about mark Cohn. now you see now that's a show i'd watch i'm a huge i don't know if you know this i'm a huge mark Cohn fan he's very good he i'm no but seriously like i'm his super fan like i've been to so many of his shows like he knows me <laughs> so like you could you could get him on board oh absolutely yeah and 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 i would be i would be the i would be the head writer of that of that show like i'm 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 he's my number one guy and of course it'd be called walking in memphis of course all right we we cracked it. We figured it out. We we cracked this nut. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, if people want to find you, if people want to find you on social media. On social media, I'm at, uh, on Twitter at J underscore Keith. And my podcast is called Go Fact Yourself. It's on the Maximum Fun Network, uh, gofactyourpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. And our social media is at gofactyourpod. And if uh, anyone's listening in the LA area, we record our shows for a live audience and it's free. Again, you can go to gofactorpod.com for our schedule and tickets. It's a lot of fun. It is definitely a fun show. Uh, I've been listening to it a lot at work because I get to listen to podcasts at work. And it's a very fun show to listen to. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. Um, You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And just remember, everybody, some things are better left unaired. Bye. Hey, Mike, what are you doing? I was just thinking about this idea for a Hook sequel with way more alcoholism and PTSD. Hey, what if we made a sequel to Space Jam, where instead of Michael Jordan playing basketball, they play Quidditch and it's with Daniel Radcliffe? What about A Bug's Life 2, but it's a heist? Or a sequel to Good Burger, where Kel is an heir to an inheritance, and he has a long-lost twin who is also played by Kel Mitchell. Also, Groundhog's Day, what if- Hold on, Madison. Why don't we put these pitches for movies that never got sequels or prequels on our podcast, The Equalizers? Oh, you mean the one we release every Monday on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all other places podcasts are found? Yeah, that one. Ooh, and maybe sometimes we have some of our writer friends on as well to hear their wild ideas for sequels or prequels. Okay, but can you promise me no sequels with body horror, communist themes, or talk about John C. Riley's penis? I can't, and I won't. Great. Well, my Monday morning just got pretty fucking weird. All of ours have, Madison. All of ours have. Find the Equalizers podcast everywhere podcasts are found, as well on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching The Equalizers. That's E-Q-U-E-L-I-Z-E-R-S, like in sequel.